Second and victory. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Second and Victory Podcast. My name is Austin Nelson. We appreciate you listening, as always. Before we dive into it, I tell y'all this every single episode. Make sure you hit pause on the podcast. Go hit subscribe. Rate five stars. Leave a review. Do all that fun juju for us. We'd appreciate it more than you know. Thank you so much for listening to everybody who does. Um, We are brought to you by the 440 Sports Network and BroadwaySportsMedia.com. I tell you guys this every single week. It is the Best place to go and get your latest Titans news and coverage, uh, Nashville SC and the Nashville Predators, all that news and more. Um, so make sure you guys go and check that out. And again, follow us on Twitter at Second and Victory. I'm always joined by my two favorite co-hosts, Brett Bachelor and Chris Carter. What's up, guys? How's What's going, going on, guys? Good to talk busy to you. season. Busy yeah. season. Very busy. A lot going on right now. A lot going on right now. And uh there was one person that we thought, you know, there's a lot going on right now. This guy knows about all of it. And so we wanted to bring him in and talk to him about it, pick his brain. Uh, that's Mr. Rhett Brian. Brett, what's going on, sir? Hey, I'm uh, glad to be back on your pod, man. It's good to see all you guys and uh, talk to you guys to uh, talk offseason, free agency, draft, probably some stadium stuff. I think there's Twitter questions. So let's do it. Heck yeah. Um, so Chris, you want to start us off? Yeah, happy to. I think your question can, can start this whole shebang. Yeah, for sure. Um, Red, looking at the roster before we get to draft time, you know, we've been, we've been in free agency for, for a little bit now. Um, what do you see as the three biggest needs on this roster as it currently stands? I think it's still tight end. I think it's still wide receiver, and I think it's still uh, offensive line, whether you're talking guard or tackle. And then I would put maybe a cornerback and a linebacker on down the way there. But certainly offensive line, tight end, wide receiver. I'd go those three three directions first. So does that mean yeah. that you think then – sorry, Brett, I just want to – Piggyback off that, does that mean that you think the Titans go O line? I know you're good. Uh, honestly, I think currently, I think one of two things if he stays at 26, I think he takes a wide receiver if the right one's sitting there. Mm-hmm. And if not, and some of these quarterbacks fall a little bit and the phone's ringing, I think he trades down to get that uh, second round pick back and maybe a four to go with it. But um, I still say wide receiver. I, I just have this feeling there's a wide receiver right there. You talk about that wide receiver, Rhett. We we talked about it, you know, we've talked about it off air a lot of times about Traylon Burks, and that's a key guy that could be there at wide receiver. If he's not there at 26, is there another receiver that you would like, or do you just go ahead and trade out of the first round if possible at that point? Well, it depends on who's sitting there. It depends on if the phone is ringing, obviously. And if the deal on the other end of the phone is, you know, the pot is sweetened enough to, to move out of that position. Um, 
yes, Traylon Burks would be who I he I guess you could call him my draft crush right now because <laughs> you know he's six two and a half, two hundred twenty five pounds. He only ran a four five two forty at the combine, which I do not care because this guy's AJ Brown two point and maybe a better version. Maybe we'll see. But you know we know he lined up at Wildcat quarterback. We know he lined up in the backfield like Debo Samuel does for the 49ers and, and kind of like Cord- Cordell Patterson has done for the, the Falcons. And then I read that piece today in ESPN, and I, mm-hmm. I just like him even more. I mean, this guy goes <laughs> hunting wild boar with his hunting dogs and a knife. A wild <laughs> boar now. I saw that. And, you know, he, he loves to bow hunt and he goes, he's just a country dude. He's from a tiny little place. What is it? Warren, Arkansas. And, um, sounds like a great dude off the field. And I think we know what he can do on the field. Um, but if they're, if he's gone and they still go wide receiver, now this is a different kind of wide receiver, but it may be one that could best help, uh, round out their room that they've kind of been looking for since they parted with Adam Humphreys, and that's Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver from uh, Penn State. He's a smaller guy. He's, what, 5'10", 5'11", 175, 185 pounds, 4'4", 340, but the explosion is there, 36-inch vertical leap, Um, and a guy that I think you can uh, use to kind of round out that that room a little more evenly. I think they've been kind of looking for – a faster slot receiver uh, since, you know, Adam Humphreys and that experiment did not work because of health. So you always hear kind of every single year, it's uh, the draft starts when this player is drafted or the the draft starts when, when this happens. (laughs) Um, My bold prediction for this, this, this draft is that the lines take Malik Willis. I think that's when it's going to get all, you know, go crazy is when that happens. I, don't, I just had this funny feeling that they'll take a quarterback. So I want to ask you, what do you think the oh crap moment of the draft will be? All right, now wait a minute. So you're saying they take Malik Willis at two overall? Two. Wow. I know, that's my oh crap moment. Well, let me say this. If that happens, that's where the draft will tilt off of its axis for right. sure. Right. And I think, I don't know about a particular slot or team, But I think when the first quarterback goes, which could very well be Malik Willis, I think that's where everything starts to tumble. But honestly, you know, I I wouldn't bet against something crazy like that. But remember, they got two and 32. So they they could wait and see what's happening. That might be a trade partner that calls John Robinson. Um, I – I think there's two quarterbacks that go in the first round, possibly a third one, not like it was last year where they were going like crazy. This is more like a big man draft. Yeah. Like there was back in 2013 when you had Luke Jokel, Eric Fisher, you know, all those guys going off the board. And uh, I just think it'll be more of those kinds of things, edge pass rushers, a couple of the top corners, and then obviously the wide receiver pairs from Ohio state, Alabama, whatever. Drake London from USC. And so, again, that could still push somebody nice down to 26 eventually. Um, But I agree that Malik Willis, wherever he is, or maybe that first quarterback is taken, is where things start to get interesting. That was my question for you. You answered it. How many quarterbacks do you think are taken in the first round? And I think, you know, we've we've, we've talked about our group messages about 
the mock drafts right now for the Titans and just kind of everybody in particular all over the place. Uh, we've seen mock drafts with five in the first round. We've seen mock drafts with zero in the first round. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very interested to see what happens uh, here in a couple of weeks. Well, and, and you're right. Uh, I think it was Bucky Brooks that said there won't be any taken the first yeah. round. I'm like, no, it wait a minute. Bucky. Wait a minute, Hoss. Uh, that's, 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 that's not my opinion. And I don't think that's exactly because there's two drafts. There's the quarterback draft and then there's the draft of everybody else. If it was a different position, now running back, I don't think there'll be a running back taken in the first round. Um, and, and your, your idea, Austin, about Malik Willis is probably right in terms of, I know what you're thinking there. They've, they've got, uh, you know, Jared Goff in place and you could have him uh, developmentally for a year because the thing about Malik Willis is, has a cannon for an arm, but he is not as accurate as you like or placement or touch with the ball that you want. He's got the arm skill. He's just got to get the the refinement. Kind of like, um, you know, when Josh Allen came out three or four years ago uh, out of Wyoming for the Buffalo Bills, he was very raw as a rookie year and got better every year. And now he's, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Red, talking about quarterbacks, um, how do you rank the top five or so quarterbacks in this draft? And who do, who would you say is the perfect fit for the Titans out of the quarterbacks? Uh, if if uh, we're talking quarterback to the Tennessee Titans, uh, you know, that's a great question, Chris. I, um, I would think something more along the lines of Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Um, if you're going wild card crazy, there's talent there, but you got to develop and you get them in the later rounds. Carson Strong from Nevada, I really like. Uh, Kenny Pickett, you know, obviously is, I think, and Malik Willis are the top two quarterbacks. They're the two I think are going to be selected in the first round. The third one is going to be probably a Matt Corral from Ole Miss. I like Matt Corral's game, but he's an undersized quarterback and he's a mobile quarterback and he's going to end up getting hurt. He's already getting dinged up. But, uh, yeah, Desmond Ritter, you know, you, you start, what, 49 games uh, in college. And uh, I think that's a guy that, that would kind of work with what they're doing. I'm glad you said that. Um, Austin, Austin and Brett and I have had a lot of discussions around Desmond Ritter. Uh, I've kind of developed a little bit of a draft crush on him. Um, you know, I've watched Cincinnati games, and but I've been watching his, you know, his YouTube videos and highlights and stuff more recently. And, uh, he's just so technically gifted, um, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and he does, you know, there's he has weaknesses to his game. Every quarterback does, but he has a lot of strengths that I really like, and I think would fit well in in what the Titans want to do. Yeah, there certainly the leadership there and what he does off the field. But uh, you know, you have that much experience with a good Cincinnati team. I mean, good gracious, they you know made it into the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're doing something right there. And, uh, you know, certainly Mike Vrabel and John Robinson would have more better intel because, obviously, Luke Fickle is Vrabel's college roommate and, you know, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats. So, but, yeah, I I mean, I I think there's a lot of things that he brings to the table. And, by the way, who would have thought, you know, in this draft that there's going to be this many Cincinnati players that will be taken because between him and – Ahmad Sauce Gardner at cornerback and, you know, the running back uh, and Ford. And, I mean, there's, there's going to be probably five or six guys from Cincinnati is going to get drafted throughout the three days. 
uh, me, you, and Will Bowling Rhett were sitting in the green room today doing the, the, the PFF draft simulator. And me and you did one the other day as well. Mm-hmm. Will did a scenario where the Titans traded out of the first round and we were picking at number 40 and Kenny Pickett was there. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen in real time. But say the Titans do trade out of the first round somewhere in the mid to early second and one of those top quarterbacks is still there. Do you do you think you have to pull the trigger? Well, when we did that scenario in the green room, I said, yeah, pull the trigger, do it. You yeah. know, because Kenny Pickett mm-hmm. was sitting there at 40. Uh, and I might even say the same thing about Sam Howell if he's a little lower down. Like uh, another crazy scenario, like if, if Sam Howell's sitting there at 90, do it. Go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we're speaking hypothetically, and I don't know – I don't – I haven't seen John Robinson's war room and never will, but you know, it just depends on what, what, what he um, values in terms of those pods and when, what right. pod he has those quarterbacks in, but yeah, at some point value, you know, uh, and the other thing too, is I, I still say if that next tier of quarterback is sitting there around one of these picks, especially 26, I think the phone mm-hmm. rings because somebody's yeah. looking for that. Yeah. You, you talk about the pods of the quarterbacks too. We've talked a lot about the pods of the tight ends. And there's not going to be necessarily that many tight ends taken in the first, maybe even the second round, but there's going to be a lot of late day two and day three tight ends. And a couple guys that you like as well with out of San Diego state and Trey McBride out of Colorado state, who is kind of that guy that you really think the Titans need to go after and who can really be available on day three for the Titans? Cause I know you've talked about different types of tight ends. Well, we know that Trey McBride has been a top 30 visit. It was reported today that Daniel Bellinger from San Diego mm-hmm. state has, is a top 30 visit. Uh, I, I believe Trey McBride will probably be the first tight end taken off the board. Some think he may be a late first rounder. I think all these guys going rounds two, three, four, five, six, and, and so on. Uh, but Daniel Bellinger, probably the best blocking tight end in this draft because of the offense and the system they run out there is run heavy and wasn't asked to catch a whole lot of balls, but I, I think he can do it. Uh, big dude. And, you know, you six, five, two fifty three, good vert. I think he had a 35 inch vertical leap. So you can see the explosion is there. Um, and, and certainly I like Trey McBride. I, I, I think that's a, a solid, solid pick probably one of the best all around tight ends in this draft that has good hands, has good inline blocking skills is Greg Dulcich from UCLA. Mm -hmm. I think that's a guy they really like. And I wouldn't be surprised if that is, uh, you know, a pick that ends up being a Titan. Although I think his stock has risen. He may be picked a little earlier than people thought. Um, But yeah. And then, you know, one of the interesting prospects is, is Grant Calcaterra. Calcaterra was a guy at Oklahoma. He took a medical year, uh, a medical retirement in 2019 after uh, had multiple concussions. And, you know, he went back to California and, uh, you know, got his certificate and, and went to school and was going to be a firefighter. He wants to be a first responder and was on ride alongs and things, had not been hired yet, decided to go back into the portal and, and went to SMU and had a really good year. He may be the best patch, pass catching tight end in this, in this draft, but you have to get past the medicals. And with the with the concussion issues, uh, but there's there's several guys. I mean, Jelani Woods from Virginia is a very intriguing process prospect who is a monster, you know, at six foot seven, and he had a great combine. I mean, he's done really well in this process. But there are unlike drafts before, 
in the last few years, they're not just big wide receivers who can catch. There are more rounded, uh, straight up tight ends that can you know, be an H and Y and, you know, inline blockers and catchers. And that's, you know, really what the Titans need. So it kind of lines up with the need there. You already have Jeff Swain. You got Austin Hooper on a one-year prove-it deal, but I think you can get somebody else to come in and help you pretty quickly. We're joined by Titans Radio's executive producer and national radio legend, Rhett Bryan. Get him on Twitter <laughs> at Rhett B. Tennessee. Rhett, it's kind of a, a two-part question. One, how many hours have you and Coach Mack put into kind of looking at prospects, and how many prospects have y'all scouted? We have cross-checked and looked at 213 guys. Okay. Um, and we're only doing the first three rounds on the radio. So that's why we've kind of, yeah. we, we're going to look a little more in day three stuff. Um, Cause we certainly want to look at, you know, what lines up with something they might be interested in there. But yeah, we've, oh gosh, I'd say hours that we've invested. Well, first of all, he's been doing it a lot longer. He, he started back in December um, because he actually, has some national publications that he is a uh, silent contributor for. And um, he's, so he's just been digging into it. I, after the playoff loss, I just like, okay, I, I need to step away from football for a minute. And he's like, yeah, you're, you're burned out. I get it. And, you know, about a week later, I got the itch, wanted to scratch it. And so we started diving in. And since then, oh gosh, I, I don't know how many hours it is, but I mean, you know, 213 guys and it takes a while. So, and I'm still working on all, you know, looking at backgrounds and interesting stories and, you know, those kinds of things like the Traylon Burke story I, that you read today about him hunting wild boar. So, you know, I don't know, it's over a hundred hours worth at least. So who is the, the draft sleeper that we're not talking about that we should be talking about? You know, I don't know who that would be Austin. That's a great question because, you know, it just depends on what position you want to talk about. I think there's some sleepers in, in certain uh, position groups. Um, you know, I think if you're talking about somebody that already has people's attention, it would be um, Tariq Woolen, the San Antonio defensive back who, you know, really had a great combine. He's a guy, I think, whose stock is rising, um, but, you know, it just hadn't, um, you know, bubbled to the surface, obviously, because it's Texas San Antonio. It's not a major college program. But, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. didn't play a lot, you know, in the last couple of years, had a great pro day, ran a hand time, what, four, three, six or whatever. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's, there's names that are sitting out there that, you know, it's whatever flavor you want. Cause again, speaking of San Antonio, don't forget a couple of years ago, you know, you had the new Orleans saints sitting there and they traded up 14, 16 spots to get Davenport Davenport. And, and then that's worked out. Okay. But we were like, wow. I mean, this is small school guy and we had him on our radar, but golly, I didn't have him that early. And, you know, it was like pick 14 in round one. So, you know, there's sleepers every year. Um, I tell you another one, that you should be talking about because of what he did at the senior bowl, what he did at the combine and what he did at his pro day. And that's Valus Jones jr. When the university of Tennessee uh, ran blazing fast, 40 times had good measurables all around really had a great week at the senior bowl, got a lot of attention there. And a guy that 
I think was early day three that is probably maybe late night two now in round three. That's interesting. Uh, I want to hop to the other side of the state for a second uh, okay. and ask you about another wide receiver that I think is being, uh, not being talked about enough, and that's uh, Calvin Austin the third. Yeah, uh, Memphis, what, sure. What could, uh, what could a guy with his type of speed do, to the, do for the Titans offense? Well, you're talking about an immediate uh, speedy slot receiver that can, you know, take the top off of a, a defense and, and get you some big, big chunk explosive plays. I, you know, I could see places where you could run jet sweeps and motions and those kinds of things because he'd be so quick off the edge. The only thing I'm concerned with, and it would, I would be the same, have the same concern about a Jahan Dotson, who's a little slower, uh, but they're so small. I mean, Calvin Austin is, is a tiny guy. And so he has to have the speed to create the separation because he, you, he clearly lacks some functional strength to play at that level. Uh, and, and you're afraid of, it's like the whole Tyreek Hill thing. If he ever loses a step and he will, he'll get killed by somebody. Um, so while he'll be drafted and I, I'm not sure where, uh, and he has got certainly blazing, blazing speed, I think in helping those gadgetry type of ways and certainly help you as a returner in, in special teams, but you better hope he's a step ahead of, of whoever's bearing down on him because, you know, this is the NFL. That's it. It's just a whole different game. And a lot of people are as big and bigger than you and faster than you in this case. Yeah, it's, it's very true. He's a, I'm, I'm pretty sure like a soaking wet 165, 170. So Absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's a small guy, but that speed is amazing. We talked a lot about offense so far, but it seems that, I mean, obviously that's some of the Titans biggest needs, and especially behind Derrick Henry now, there's a couple holes that probably need to be filled. We've talked about Ty Chandler some in the in the late rounds. If it's not a guy like Ty Chandler who could maybe return for you and be that, that second running back, who could it be that the Titans look at in day three to assume that running back two role? Well, you've got uh, a few options. You know, a guy I like, and I don't know that he's day three, he's probably late day two, is Damian Pierce from Florida. I think that's a guy that they have on their radar. Um, now he's a, you know, shorter to the ground, stockier, more compact, uh, style runner. Um, but I'll, I know that they have had a top 30 visit with Jerome Ford, the former Alabama transfer who played at Cincinnati for Luke Fickle. I think that guy can bring some things to the table. And that's the great thing about, you know, uh, the seven on seven football has turned college, high school, pro, whatever. I mean, it used to be that 11 personnel was like a third down package kind of thing in the NFL. It's the most pop, most common, um, you know, uh, formation that, that offenses run with, you know, one running back, one tight end and, and three wide receivers. So the same thing, I, th I think there's just a factory of wide receivers and running backs now, but there are plenty of running backs that can help you. And yeah, it, it doesn't have to be in round two or even mm -hmm. round three. There are right. names there, but yeah, Ty Chandler would be another name that would be very intriguing. You know, obviously played at the University of Tennessee and then transferred and, and played, you know, for the Tar Heels for a year. So what was it last week, the week before, you know, you get on Twitter and you see all these wild rumors of AJ Brown 
trade talks, trade rumors of AJ Brown. You're thinking, what is it? Where, what's this coming from? Right. Um, specifically the Jets. Uh, they're looking for a wide receiver, a veteran wide receiver. They, you know, you've seen DK Metcalf. You've seen a lot of AJ Brown. And now John Robinson has, has had to come out and say, hey, you know, he's not on the table. We're not taking calls for AJ Brown, but we appreciate you asking. What do you make of all that? What are your thoughts on 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 that? Is it specifically because you know is it just the, the blunt answer he's not under contract? And with that, Spot Track put out today, I believe yesterday, um, a four year ninety one million dollar extension. Does that sound right to you? Hey, well, and yeah, Mike Mike Genetti with Spot Track. That's one of my more favorite sites. I like yeah. them and Over the Cap both. But his initial uh, evaluation, I think right at the end of the season or just before the new uh, year started with free agency was like four for 80 or 81. But because the market has done what it has with Devonte Adams and Tyree kill and, you know, the Diggs, Stephon Diggs, today, yeah. right. Uh, he's had to push that North, you know, that number North. Um, I, I would be interested to see what he thinks guaranteed money is like, because that's, that's the key. Um, you know, all these deals are window dressing, you know, five years, a hundred million, well, you know, voidable years at the end and <coughs> excuse me and all that. So it, what's the guaranteed money? Um, as far as the jets go, you have picks at five and 10, go get a wide receiver there on a rookie contract. I was thinking the same thing. So I want to give you a hypothetical. And I, I told Chris and Brett I was going to bring this up tonight. And by no means, I, I know my take on this. And I'll tell you guys, I would say no to this in a heartbeat. But I would want to get y'all's take as well because it is tempting. So let's just say the Titans get this offer from the Jets. So the Jets offer number four, number 10, number 38 this year. So all those picks this year. They offer a 2023 first and a 2023 third. For AJ Brown, what do you do? Pull the trigger. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And listen, I love AJ Brown. He's a fantastic human being. He's yep. a great football player. And you know, of the next four guys that's going to get paid out of that 2019 draft class, I have AJ, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, and Terry McLaurin are the next four guys mm -hmm. in line. And he clearly leads the the list in that in a lot of categories it was 16.2 yards per catch yes he's mixed missed six games these i mean all these guys have explosive plays but i mean you look at some of the he has 16 plays of 40 plus yards you talk about moving an offense down the field <coughs> but you get an offer like that and john robinson you have to be scratching your head going what are you doing because it, and and you know what now I don't know that it would be that robust, Austin, but right. the Tyreek Hill trade to the, the Miami yeah. Dolphins has you thinking that way. Mm -hmm. And and you've described an over overwhelming tipping point with all of what you're proposing in this, you know, that they give up. You get anywhere like something like that, I think you have to move on it uh, because you, you, you're getting out of – you don't have a fifth-year option on him. He's under the last year of his contract. Maybe it's a sign and trade kind of thing. You're not going to have any extra money freed up until after June one with the, the Julio Jones deal. And you're able to get something that he values more than anything. And that's draft capital. And now you can go get 
Drake London, Traylon Burt. I mean, yeah. whatever you want. And you can go get you a guard. You can go get you a tackle. You can get you a tight end. You can go get you another edge pass rusher, a D lineman for rotation, get you a corner, get you a safety. I mean, you can restock the cupboard, so to speak. I mean, you're pretty much able to reset the offense for the next five plus years with that one that one drive. Yeah. I mean, right. It's almost something. And, and get a good do. cornerback in there in case Caleb Farley doesn't work out. Right. I, I, my, yeah. It's a, it's a trade that you, it makes you stop and think like, wow. I mean, this is a, this is a lot to offer. But at the same time, I just think too that you have a sure thing in AJ Brown. You know what you have in him. Don't lose what you have. But at that point. How do you say no to that trade? I know what I said. But it's just it's it's so hard to, to pass now, that up. Let's let's take it a step further, Austin. And while we're going down the hypothetical highway yeah. here, um, and, and as much as I would like to see him stay and pay, and maybe that's what happens, I don't have any idea. But Jeffrey Simmons is the guy you're going to have to pay. Yep. And Jeffrey Simmons does not grow on trees. There is not a Jeffrey Simmons that comes out in the draft every year. No. I mean, there's not one in this draft. He would be ranked ahead of Jordan Davis and everybody else in that Absolutely. category. And I, I contend that if if uh, Aaron Donald decides to retire, Jeffrey Simmons will be the guy that everyone talks about yeah. because uh, and he's just a bigger version. I mean, uh, Aaron Donald's a tiny guy compared to him. He's mm-hmm. the guy you have to pay because he is the anchor of the defense. You talk about the the anchor of the defense, and just it makes me think, you know, how I mean, if you think about it, people say this Titans team has two to three years left in this in this specific window with the roster. How important is this draft? Because you know, in three to four years from now, I mean, who knows if Derrick Henry is on this team, if AJ Brown's on this team, if Taylor Lewan's on this team, Tannehill most likely won't be the quarterback in four years. So these next two to three years, how important is this draft alone? to this window that the Titans are currently in. Well, in, in the win now mode, Brett, I mean, you have to have more picks that you not only pick, but hit on and have to contribute. He, he needs a draft class a lot like what he had in 2019. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and obviously he didn't get as much out of Jeffrey Simmons that year because he was coming off the ACL, but you have him, you have Derek, David Long Jr., I mean, you, you have A.J. Brown. He needs something like that uh, to continue what they want to do. And, see, that's the other thing. I don't think anybody has looked out far enough in the future about what John Robinson and Mike Vrabel's long-term plans are for keeping a team together because they don't necessarily have their franchise quarterback. And I'm not saying that Brian, don't give me, I'm not trying to go into a Ryan Tannehill hot take <laughs> here, but I'm saying once they get a young franchise quarterback, they're Justin Herbert, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's just use him for an example. Then I would be very interested to see how he churns the back end of that roster and how he keeps this thing together. And I suspect it would be much like what new England has done for 25 years. All right. So we went to Twitter, got a few questions for you, Rhett. So we'll right. uh, hit these. Uh, first one from at Marky Roots. Fort and <laughs> Farley are supposed to be our studs at quarterback or cornerback. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Lots of hype around Farley, but what is our realistic option there if he just can't do it? Injuries. How high should a cornerback be on the Titans draft board? Well, and, and I mentioned at the start of this pod that, you know, I still think offensive line is an addressable thing, certainly tied in to finish filling out that room and wide receiver. 
I think cornerback for me is probably the next thing on that list just because of what the question from Twitter outlined. And, um, you know, I'm not saying he's going to take a corner at pick 26, but if the right player's there, he'll take value. We've seen him do that before. And then, you know, there's some good corners that, you know, you can pick up in this thing. But I honestly think they're, they really want to see where Caleb Farley comes along in this and tries to come back from multiple surgeries and injuries. Um, but yeah, it, it should be at least the fourth thing on the list. You've got other pieces sitting back there. You're, you're very fortunate. You have Kevin Byard, Amani Hooker stepped in a nice role last year as becoming the other safety. I think Elijah Molden has his moments in there. And so, you know, I think once you, you know, figure out what Farley is, but you, I think that they'll take a cornerback in this draft. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Where they take one, we'll see. On that, um, before I get to the other question, uh, my cornerback draft crush is yes. Kobe, Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati. Love that I, guy. I, you know what? I, like, I, I, I think we all saw Cincinnati play way more than we probably ever have because they've been building something special up there. And I would agree. I think, um, I think you're going to see Kobe Bryant be um, a much better corner at the next level if for no other reason that you're going to see how good he is without Sauce Gardner, right. who, who drew, you know, he drew all the double teams, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see where he goes. Hopefully it's not in the AFC South. Um, <laughs> our next one is a fellow uh, podcast listener. He listens to the podcast quite a bit. Um, at Obi John Kenobi. Who and I guess this is just any player, right? Uh, it doesn't matter what round. I just want to, I think he just wants to get your thoughts on this. Who is a dream player you would like to see on the Titans that you think would help them make a Super Bowl run? No doubt. And then he added that up with which Titans uniform is your all time favorite? Okay, let me go to the second one first. My favorite Titans uniform of I'm gonna, I really like what they're wearing right now. And, and yep. uh, I, I know that, that it's in the works that you know we're gonna see an Oilers throwback soon. I am glad of that. I hope they wear it on a Sunday night football game in Houston just to rub it in their <laughs> face. I'm fine with that. But the all-white Stormtrooper uniforms, that's my favorite one. And, you know, they've done – they've had some nice games in that. That that yeah. Monday night game they had in Dallas a few years ago. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's just a clean, clean look. But, you know, I think a, a close second is the, the whole Navy because it just makes that helmet pop. But I, I love the Stormtroopers uniform. Uh, in this draft, if I have a dream pick that's going to help immediately and get the Titans to a Super Bowl, let me Please don't say Desmond Ritter. No, 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 no. It's got to be somebody way on higher up than that. And that's, nothing, that's no slight to him. Don't but give I mean, Chris some crap. I figured. I figured. Um, Golly, I don't know. I don't know who that would be off the top of my head. It's got to be one of those top wide receivers, or I think so too. You know, and, and, and I mean, Traylon Burks could do that, but you know, I don't know if it's Drake London or I mean, you, anybody up at the top that you're gonna. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's Chris Olave. You know, um, it, it, look, we've seen what one player can do when the rest is sitting there. I, 20 plus years ago with Javon Curse, that he I still say he's one of the main reasons why they got to the next step because he was such an explosive player. 
Brett, uh, obviously we know J-Rob and, and Vrabel, both of those guys, especially in this draft process, really like to get hands-on with these draft prospects. You know, they're out there running drills with them and, and all of that. Do you think that with all the COVID restrictions over the last two years, that's had a negative impact on, on J-Rob's performance in these drafts and, and maybe why we've seen him falter a little bit with these last two? I mean, it certainly could you – know, he would never use that as an excuse – but I could certainly see that would be, you know, if you're carving up a blame pie, I think you could put a pretty, pretty good size slice with that because when you think about it, all the, you know, at one point, all the, the visits were virtual and, you know, I mean, I think meeting somebody face-to-face, person-to-person, you know, is, is much better than, than doing anything virtually because you, you just lose that layer of contact, right? And, you know, medical information and those things. I think there's some things that can get lost in translation. I think that's a valid question, Chris, but I just don't know how much of it is contributing to the answer that you want. But certainly it's a factor. But he would never say that publicly. He would never use that for an excuse because, you know, guess what? There's 31 other GMs that had to go through it too, and some of them have done pretty well. Yeah. We saw this past year Dan Cruikshank take a bigger role on the defense, especially covering the tight ends. It was pretty obvious, that, or at least not, if it wasn't obvious, we knew that there was a good chance that he was going to leave in free agency, which he did to Chicago. Is there a guy on this defense right now that could potentially take that role that Dan Cruikshank did with still being a good special teamer but also stepping up on defense? And if there's not, do you look in free agency post-June 1st? Do you look in the draft? Where do you go from there to kind of fill that role that Dan Kruikshank had this past year? Well, Brett, I think the answer is sitting on the roster, and it's a guy they recently signed, and that's D.J. Moore, the former uh, safety with the Houston Texans. Obviously, there's a connection there that Vrabel know, knew him yep. and, you know, when he was the defensive coordinator and an assistant, uh, and he's a core special teamer uh, that can help you in sub-packages. Uh, I, I think that's probably your answer. And you're right. He Dan Crookshank towards the end, and I hate that he couldn't stay healthy during his yeah. tenure because he had some moments where he was doing some really good things. Um, but the way they would match him up against opposing tight ends, which used to just eat Titans defenses alive, yeah, he, did, he did a great job in, in a lot of spots there. But I, I would say that's one of the reasons why Moore was brought in uh, with a deal right there. Now, do they bring in a developmental or core special teams, you know, big safety or something like that in one of the late round picks? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. That, that Kevin Byard uh, touchdown to Dane Crookshank will always be one of my favorite. Titans. <laughs> well, and you know what, Chris, that is one of the most brilliant coaching jobs that I've seen a Titans staff do, because if you remember, that is the week two of the 2018 season. That's Vrabel's second game as head coach. That was after they had the longest game in the history of mankind that went on for three years or whatever in Miami under 18 yeah. lightning delays. And remember, they didn't have a left tackle. They didn't have their quarterback. Delaney Walker has a broken leg. I mean, they had to go back in. They flew in from Miami and immediately went to the office and just threw out the playbook and had to build stuff. And that was the first time we saw Derrick Henry and the King Cat, the Wildcat formation. Yep. They had to do something. That was, and, and you know, that was when I realized right then, I'm like, you know, Matt LaFleur is probably not going to be here long because that was yeah. a brilliant job yeah. put together by him and, and that coaching staff. Of the guys that have left this year, we've Darrington Evans went to Chicago with the Titans released him. Julio Jones is still a free agent. Rashawn Evans went to the Falcons. Jayon Brown 
to the Raiders. We just mentioned Dan Krukchek a second ago. Of the guys that have left, who do you think will have – I'm trying to figure out the best way to word it. Where will the Titans have to fill the hole the most of the guys that have left? What's, what's the best spot the Titans need to fill of the free agents that have gone elsewhere so far? No, I, 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 Brett, I think of all the guys you mentioned, and it's no slight towards them at all, I don't know that they'll miss them as much. You know, Rashawn Evans got to where he was uh, not playing as much towards the end. Yeah. And, and, you know, Jayon got hurt and came back on a one-year deal. And um, I think David Long helped accelerate some of that stuff. And then the trade for Zach Cunningham. Um, or did they get Monty him? Rice no, they got him, okay no, they got him off the waiver wire. Yeah, Wave and Monty Rice. Rice. Yeah. yeah, they got him off the waiver wire. Then they drafted Monty Rice. And he was doing fine before he got hurt. You know, I, I think the some of this is a hangover from the year before in free agency. Like, I never – I wasn't comfortable with what they put out in, in tight end groups in 2021, because they never did anything to address the explosive nature of losing uh, a, a um, uh, well, John Smith, John U. Smith. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going brain dead. Um, and I think Austin Hooper will bring you a little, some of, some of that back. I liked him uh, when he was in Atlanta and then obviously he got big, big money to go. Uh, to the Cleveland Browns, and that didn't quite work out. But I think that loss of explosion there um, is something they are still trying to play catch up with, and that's why I think tight end is one of the things they certainly will address in this draft. So I want to pivot to some more exciting news in that there's been a lot more legitimate talk about the Titans getting a new stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been talks that the Adams family are liquidating – think close to $700 million to the project. Um, the city's going to put in 500 mil. So there's, a, there's some money being put up about this stadium. Um, hopefully it's in time for the 2026 season. That's the talk right now. And again, nothing's official yet, but it's more legitimate now than it's ever been. I think we can all, we can all agree on that. There's been talk about a uh, full dome, a retractable roof, but you know, Brett, you've now been to a lot of stadiums when you go on these away games. Um, very new stadiums, some older stadiums. You went to SoFi this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to AT&T. So give me your ingredients to what, you know, this new stadium, what do you want to see? Do you want to see a retractable roof? Do you want to see more of a AT&T style Jumbotron or a SoFi Jumbotron? Like what, what's going to make this new stadium the biggest and baddest in the NFL? Well, first of all, you don't have enough acreage to pull off a, a Jerry World. True. Um, I think you would like to see something more akin to what Mercedes Benz is in Atlanta with amenities and the, and the like. Now, I don't mean like a, you know, a, a bird's nest retractable roof, but a retractable roof. Um, and I think you can go too high in seat number. Honestly, I think this this stadium will be a little closer to the 60,000 seat mark than the almost 70 that it is right now. And the reason I say that is, the renovations they were going to do, I think, was going to take some seats off of the, what would this be, the west side upper deck. And they were going to make some mixed-use uh, space and, and open-air bars and event spaces and those kinds of things by taking some of the seats, That's what, which would have reduced uh, the capacity. Um, here's the thing about the, the whole stadium thing. 25 years ago, $330 million is basically what it was. Most of that was land acquisition. After that point, it was $160 million to build a stadium. And so that's the thing that is not only the model to follow by, like they did in Minneapolis, 
Um, I, I, there's several places where they've done it. Atlanta. They did it there. And, you know, so obviously in parking lots, A, B, C, and D that are in front of the pro shop between there and the interstate is where they would build it and then implode the uh, Nissan stadium and, and move into the building. Um, so you don't have any land acquisition issues. You've got the space right there. Um, so you're going to be looking at a 62, 63,000 seat thing, I believe, with a retractable roof. Um, and, and, you know, when you think about the way I understand it, they got estimates between building materials on the rise, like a lot of things are, and then the structure of the building needed to be upgraded. That's when you get into the expense. And that when it, you know, that six to 800 million turned into 1.2 billion. And when you're talking about that much difference, I mean, good grief. It just, you know, it makes sense to go to the next step and go a different direction. I mean, let's, you know, and the, the one thing I think that helps the Titans in this proposal is what Buffalo came out with at the owners meetings last, yeah. last week, an open air 62,000 seat stadium. That's 1.4 billion. Well, we're talking about somewhere in that neighborhood or just a little north of there for something with a retractable roof. And the other part of it is, I believe once you, if you build something like this, you can double your tourism dollars immediately. Absolutely. You can get the Super Bowl. You can get Final Four. You can get college football playoff games. You can get whatever you want, the biggest, the best, because everybody likes to come to Nashville already. You already have enough rooms uh, to rent out or to stay in between Airbnbs and hotels in the eight county metro area. I think you can get all those things with that building. And, you know, all the, the that Nissan Stadium was 25 years ago was a get it done now and let's yeah. kick the can down the road. And then in, in 25 years or so, let's revisit again. Well, you know, the, the stadium lease is up in 2028. And this proposal is to be somewhere in the 2026 window. So you're having to talk about it now because that's how those things work. And time, you know, moves pretty quickly. If this thing is done by 2026, obviously it, it heavily advances Nashville's chance to become a, a host city for the World Cup. If that happens and they build a stadium with either a retractable roof or just a full dome, you mentioned the Super Bowl. Do you think there's a chance that Nashville just consistently becomes in that Super Bowl rota of hosting the Super Bowl every five years or so? I think it's possible. And now, you know, you got to keep in mind, Washington is in the middle of trying to get a new stadium deal. Uh, Kansas City is starting to have whispers of a new deal. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Buffalo, but yeah. Uh, and of course, Buffalo open air, they're never going to happen. No, that's <laughs> not going to work. That's not going to work. Um, but yeah, and certainly don't forget about, you can get the draft back here. The combine's yep. going to be moving. So yeah, there's plenty of NFL events, but I don't see any reason. And look, Nashville, I think would do a great job in hosting a Super Bowl yes. that would get them another Super Bowl. Yeah. So yeah, to answer your question, I think absolutely. Speaking of other teams as well around the league, kind of just off the, the stadium talk for a second, we talked about free agents a second ago. And we've talked about, you know, the draft and all that. In, in your opinion, not just the Titans, but the entire league, because there's been this has been a crazy NFL offseason. Which team has, be, has made the best move for their team going into next season to help try and propel themselves to a Super Bowl? I think the Los Angeles Chargers are the team to watch. They have their rookie quarterback or, or their quarterback under a rookie contract and then trading for Khalil Mack. You know, the, the, I anticipate they will do more things in this draft to shore up two things they desperately need. And as to, to 
try to plug up a porous run defense and they have a horrible yeah. third down defense. Um, once they get some more things with that, they've got weapon. And, you know, they gave Mike Williams an extension. Um, I, I really like what they do. And in a division where it's become an arms race that is much like the Cold War, uh, <laughs> I think they have done a really good job to set themselves up for success in this going forward. I would, I would be, I would think they would have a better chance in that division than even um, Las Vegas Raiders because I, you know, you can get Devonte Adams, that's fine, whatever. I just think they're in better shape roster wise. I kind of want the NFL to put the AFC West on prime time every single week. I mean, this is gonna be why not? Why not? (laughs) Yeah, and 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 that means that the Titans would have a couple of primetime games because they're playing the AFC West division. But uh, yeah, but I think the Chargers are the ones that could really take a step forward. You're right, Khalil Mack, um, J.C. Jackson. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, they had the money to spend, and they have a you know a quarterback under his rookie deal that should really take some more steps forward in year three. Uh, That guy's really good. Uh, it, oh, go ahead, Brett. I was just going to say real quick, in the AFC South, too, there, there's been a couple splash moves, some questionable ones in Jacksonville, but a huge <laughs> change, a huge change, though, in Indianapolis. What effect do you think at the quarterback position Indianapolis has on the AFC South with Matt Ryan now in the division? I think Matt Ryan makes him instantly better. How much better we're going to find out. That's the question. I liken this move much to what they did two years ago when they brought in Phillip Rivers mm-hmm. on a one-year deal. Um, I think we all agree Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz, and he's going to do Carson Wentz things. Good luck, Washington Commanders. I can't believe that they unloaded him and got what they got for him from Washington. Good, you know That's a great job by their organization to move on from that. Does that mean they're going to win the division? I, I don't necessarily think so. Uh, we'll see what happens in the draft. You know They need wide receiver. They need, a, they need three or four decent things. I mean, they need a left tackle, for one. But mm-hmm. Nelson can't do it by himself. But, um, you know, you're still putting a Band-Aid on it because he's, what, 37 years old, 38 yeah. years old? 37, yeah. So, you know, Jacksonville, boy, keep signing deals <laughs> like Christian Kirk and Titans will be coming down to sweep you twice a year. I'm glad. Yeah. Keep doing that. That's great. A lot of questionable and uh, head-scratching moves this offseason, to say the least. <laughs> Uh, how many rounds are you guys doing on the radio? We're doing uh, the first three rounds, so Thursday and Friday night. Uh-huh. Is it on the General Jackson again? You guys doing it somewhere else? No, uh, we're doing um, – there's a season ticket member event that is at the new Grand Hyde Hotel there on Broadway across from the Frist Art Center in Union Station. And then we're doing night two in the West Club section, and I believe that is another season ticket member event, but I don't know if that is a part of a draft party or anything. I don't have any a lot of the details on that, but I know those are the two locations over the two nights. Awesome. Well, it's always a party when you hop on the podcast with us. We appreciate your time as always. Man, it's good to be with you guys. Good to see you guys, and uh, good to do a pod. I like, I like doing podcasts, and uh, I'd love to come back sometime and maybe we can catch up after the draft to kind of see what the, what they did and how the rest of the league is, is looking after three days of absolutely uh, 250 some odd picks or so, but <laughs> good to, good to be with you guys. We appreciate your time as always. Thanks, we'll we'll definitely you, get Rhett. you back on when, when training camp gears up and after the yep. draft and kind of see, you know, if, if this team still has another run in them. So that was uh, good for Brett Bachelor for Chris Carter, for Rhett Bryan. My name's Austin Nelson. Again, thank you guys for listening. Get us on Twitter at second and victory. Get Rhett on Twitter at Rhett B Tennessee. As always, tighten up. Tighten, tighten up. up.